welcome to another edition of the Time Room Bullseye Podcast. I'm Eamon McEnany. Coming up, I'm going to be joined by Rob Pinnell of the New York Lizards as Major League Lacrosse kicks off another season this weekend, and Pinnell and the Lizards will be looking to defend their title. They open up against the Rochester Rattlers. I want to focus on the college game, though, right now, and it was a beautiful weekend for lacrosse all across the country, and it was great for the sport to see those tremendous crowds and great atmospheres and fans just flock to these games. Army-Navy in the Hudson Valley of New York, Brown-Yale in New England, Michigan-Ohio State in Ohio, Penn State-Johns Hopkins primetime Sunday night in Pennsylvania. It's the kind of weekend that reminds one what attracted you to the sport in the first place and why we continue to have a passion for it. Now, it also might allow someone to dust off the soapbox and say, hey, let's push the season back a couple of weeks so we can enjoy more of this spring weather. But hey, even I know that just last week it was snowing in Philadelphia for Villanova, Denver. So I'll lay off that one for now. Another thought on the weekend was being down in Charlottesville on Sunday and seeing the 2006 Virginia team being honored. That's the last undefeated champion in Division I men's lacrosse. They went wire to wire. I think it's going to stay that way for a while. I think they're going to be the last of those dinosaurs, last undefeated champion for a long time. Because here we are now, less than three weeks away from Selection Sunday. And not only is bracketology a fuzzy picture, and not only is there not a clear-cut best dominant team in the country right now, I don't even think there's a team right now that you can say confidently is a lock for the Final Four in Philadelphia. Yes, Notre Dame and Denver might be 1-2, But they are not invincible. We have seen them struggle, and we have seen them have to fight tooth and nail for victories. So I don't think anyone would be shocked if the Pioneers or the Irish are upset before Philadelphia. I am happy to be joined now by all-pro attackman of the New York Lizards, the former Tourton Trophy winner at Cornell, Rob Pinnell. Uh, I should have said the defending champion, New York Lizards. <laughs> How does that sound? You still are you tired of that yet? Defending uh, MLL champion? No, I'll take that. Uh, you know, compared to any of those other titles, I think uh, that's that's what I've been playing for my whole life. You know, championships. So it's nice to finally get one. Uh, you know, you've come close. You've had some heartbreakers at every level, like you mentioned. Uh, <laughs> what was it like those final seconds when it ticked away and the Lizards had uh, pulled it off and were indeed going to win the championship? Uh, I mean, that's pretty accurate in saying the final seconds because that's that's pretty much what it was because, you know, we were losing and then it was a close game back and forth, uh, you know, fighting back a lot of the game after, I think, a 6-1 start, that being down 6-1. Um, so I think when we finally went up by three goals, I was, you know, with, with under a minute left, I was a little uh, a little relieved, you know, a little relief at that point. And then, uh, you know, finally in those final seconds, it was just, uh, I think, just a, a, a huge weight off my back and I think off the team's back, you know, as a whole, just from, you know, the pressure that, you know, kind of media and everyone else kind of put on us with the, with the rush that we had and, and rightfully so, but, uh, to kindly, to finally, you know, pull through on it was, it was just a great feeling. Uh, you mentioned the pressure that came as soon as the lizards acquired Paul Rabel in the huge trade, uh, with sending Max Siebel away from Siebel away from Long Island. What was the key to making it work, not just in that championship game, but the whole year, you know, uh, the entire team, but obviously everyone talking about can Paul and Rob coexist or how are they going to play together? What was the key to that championship season? Yeah, well, you know, I think speaking on the offensive side of the ball, you know, and kind of those questions on whether or not we can work together, I think when you look at Paul and his ability 
to generate offense in the midfield up top and, and need to, to do the same behind. It's, you know, kind of the best of both worlds. And it's just a matter of, um, you know, us being able to, to get our touches and, and, you know, work with the guys around us. And, you know, aside from the two of us, you know, it's just, that's just a, you know, a little piece of it. But, you know, some of the other guys that we had in the offensive end with Gibson and Palasek and then Crotty, JoJo, Mike Stone, I mean, those guys were huge role players for us. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, kind of referring to them as role players because they are, you know, key players and, um, you know, but they, they did their job and, and, you know, when they had their opportunity to dodge or make a play, they did. I mean, I think Gibson and Palatek both scored 30 plus goals. So, um, you know, I think that the way we ran our offense, you know, allowed our midfield to get touches and eventually that ball would get to our attack and just kind of free flowing. And then, um, you know, you, you talk about Rabel in addition to him is obviously huge and, um, but then I think Brian Spleen was just another addition that was, you know, just, uh, you know, his presence in the locker room was, was and, and on the field is just unmatched by, um, you know, anyone else that, you know, I think I've, I've played with or a few people that have matched it. Um, and it just I think, speaks volume to him about his character and the type of person that he is. And, uh, you know, that's why he has seven championships. Um, outside, aside from the competition, because obviously with less than 10 teams, you're going to go up against an All-American and an All-Pro defender almost every night, as opposed to college, where there's some teams on the schedule that we all know, and then there's other teams on the schedule, like Princeton, that you're going up against Chad Weedmeyer. So, aside yep. from the competition, just the sport of lacrosse, what's the biggest difference between the MLL and the college game? You know, I think you'd have to see the, say the speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think... Um, you watch a college game now, and and honestly, I, I watch my brother and, and I watch some other games that they're of interest, but uh, it, it becomes boring after a little while. So you know, when, you, when you're playing the MLL and you watch an MLL game, uh, that's what you're used to, and just kind of the shot clock, I think, is a big is a big factor of that. And I think uh, you know, the sooner college across does it, the better. Um, and, I, and I really believe that just because I think it just adds the excitement, it adds to the pace, and, and certainly adds to the uh, the viewage and I think, you know, getting the fans involved and kind of, you know, they like that fast-paced action and uh, I think it would be great. Well, you've just been fired by the ESPN programming department because you didn't help plug our coverage of the ACC tournament coming up at all, but I'm just <laughs> I'm just having fun with you. Uh, no, I mean, uh, it, it certainly is a faster game. There's no doubt about that. Um, I want to backtrack a little bit because, uh, and I mentioned, um, you know, you're with the Lizards and you're getting ready to start off the season on the 23rd of April at home. But at Cornell, um, you know, you were able to win the Tawartan. Uh, as the game receives more popularity, so does that award. You know, we're talking about it every week. You know, Connor Canizero had a Tawartan-type moment against Villanova. What's that mean to you and what's that fraternity like? You know, I've been lucky enough to get to the, go to that big uh, gala they have in New York to kick it off. But when, you know, you and Kyle Harrison or Lyle or Max get together, what's it like to know that you're one of the few people who have won that award? That's a tremendous honor. I think, um, you know, each year, you know, each year after year that the award is given, uh, I think the more that it, that adds to it, you know, just with the growth of the game and, and the talent uh, level, talent level of the guys that are winning it. Um, you know, I think if you look at the, the New York City Gala this year, it was amazing. The turnout and the support for the award and, and the Wharton Foundation, and unlike I've ever seen in, in, in my short time with the award. And, um, and it's just great to see. And I think, um, you know, you, you look at the, the current college players that are up for it, and, uh, you know, I think it, it says a lot about their talents, but I think it also is, is about the, the guys that are around them as well. And I think, uh, you know, if you're fortunate enough to be part of a great team and win some games and, uh, and then, you know, you're going to, you know, obviously be in consideration for it. So, uh, I think, you know, when I won it, I was more thankful for, 
uh, you know, my teammates haven't been putting me in that position because uh, without them, you're really not going to be in it. All right, I'm going to bounce around all over the place here. Uh, obviously, I, I've gotten to know your story and your journey pretty well, covering you for uh, five years at Cornell and now in the pros. Um, you know, some of our listeners might need a reminder as you know you were on your way to to Quinnipiac, and then uh, you decided to you know take another year and open things up. And you know, I know from talking to Coach Davis at Deerfield. You know, one of the things, because you made that decision a little late in your senior year, I guess, uh, at high school, one of the things that helped you put, put you over the edge to get you into Deerfield was that you also played basketball. And I, I don't want all my friends who went to Deerfield <laughs> to, to take a shot at me thinking it's a jock factory. Of course it's not, but obviously it added to your application. So certainly playing basketball helped your lacrosse career, but how much do you think being a multi-sport athlete helped you in lacrosse? Oh, I, I mean, a hundred percent. It's, it's. It, I wouldn't be playing across the level I am today if it wasn't for every other sport out there that I love to play. You know, I think. Uh, yes, I did get the, the last bed in the school. That's it. The last for, bed for for, <laughs> for a basketball player. Uh, so it helped me a little bit. But um, you know, that there's so many things that you can relate to lacrosse from other sports. You know, whether it's hand-eye coordination from something as simple as well, not so simple, but from golf. You know, which is my favorite sport, and then. You look at basketball from me playing X behind the goal, like playing point guard in basketball, distributing to teammates, kind of being, you know, the general of the team out there. Um, and just, you know, so many things, you know, pick and rolls, uh, offense, movement, motion, um, you know, from, from, from basketball to football with footwork and, you know, seeing the field and, and seeing the openings. Uh, you know, every sport is relatable to the sport of lacrosse and, and hockey as well. I never played hockey and I regret it, but. When I watched on TV, I can kind of see things happening, and, and you can relate that to lacrosse as well, guys opening up, um, you know, using each other, give and goes, whatnot. So, uh, you know, I, unfortunately, I think lacrosse is becoming uh, a sport where people are starting, kids are, start, are starting to play it year-round, um, but I couldn't be more against it, and I think that kids should really, uh, you know, play multiple sports and uh, you know, take a break from lacrosse, but it will also, in the long run, allow them to be a better lacrosse player. Well, I, I want to follow that up on that because obviously you do do a lot of work uh, in the New York City area and across the whole country uh, with camps and clinics with younger lacrosse players because I, I think it's a dilemma. Part of the dilemma is I think sometimes people play lacrosse for the wrong reasons because they think it's a way to get into college. And Who am I to say that's the wrong reason? That's just my opinion. But um, Yeah, no, I agree. I but, agree. Um, so how I agree with you that if you're in sixth or seventh grade, eighth grade, play everything, and then you develop a passion for those sports. But what do you tell the guy who's a little bit older and he wants to go from second line midfielder to a first line midfielder, or he wants to go from being recruited by schools X to maybe higher profile schools? Can you can you make that leap in your lacrosse game while still playing hockey or basketball in the winter? Well, I think nowadays, Eamon, I think kids are committed in ninth grade. So <laughs> That's a good point. I forgot about maybe that take a, Maybe take a break for a year, and then they can go back to playing other sports. No, uh, it is a huge dilemma, and, I, and it's something that I, I kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say I, I argue with parents. I have a conversation right. with parents is, um, you know, well, if he, if he does play multiple sports, he's going to be behind everybody else. Um, and I think, you know, that there's two ways to look at it. And, uh, you know, I, I always was – you know, loves playing other sports, and I wanted to. And if someone, if a kid loves to play sports and loves to play basketball and loves to play football, um, just as much as he loves to play lacrosse, then he should do that. Um, and, you know, even if lacrosse is a sport that he's going to pursue in college, uh, I, I think, you know, I'll stand by saying that that's going to make him a better lacrosse player. 
I still made time for it. I mean, I, I have parents I know are busier than they've ever been these days in the sport of lacrosse. But, you know, I remember in, in high school when I wasn't committed yet, but, you know, junior, um, you know, my senior year we was still going to lacrosse after basketball practice on weekdays just for a game or win a league or whatever, um, and was making it work even if it was only once or twice a week. Um, so there's a way to make it work. I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, there's certainly, a, you know, a fine line between that. But I, I don't think it has to be all lacrosse all, all year round. And I, and I think – uh, the college coaches that uh, you know that are recruiting out there, I think they they are also looking for the multi-sport athlete, and uh, you know you find time to put it in on your own time. And I think that's something I always did growing up, and uh, you know I think kids these days more than anything uh, you know are doing as well. So yeah, I agree with you completely. I mean, I look back nine million years to when I was in high school, and while it probably would have helped me to play in my lacrosse career if I spent the winter lifting and jumping rope and throwing the ball against the wall. I couldn't imagine not playing basketball as average as a player as I was. I mean, you mentioned it. You have a passion for a sport. You only get a few years to play it. So I agree with you completely. Um, you know, I want to move move back to what we talked about earlier, you know, your decision to sort of bypass Quinnipiac and go to Deerfield, and that opened up the door for Cornell. Um at any point in your career, you know, whether it was playing for the championship or playing for Team USA or winning the Tourton, did you ever wonder what if? Like, I'm not, you know, taking any shots at Quinnipiac. They have a very good program, and you probably would have been a, you know, could have done anything there and, you know, gone pro as well. But, you know, it certainly wasn't what Cornell was when you got there to play for a championship right away as a freshman. You ever think, what if, you know, what if my uncle didn't come see me play against Garden City and think I could have done better, and what if I went to Quinnipiac? Uh, I, I try not to, you know, I try and stay as positive, as much positive as much as possible. Sure. But, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that I come across that, you know, say that exact question, you know, and, uh, most of the time it's jokingly, but, uh, you know, sometimes you kind of look at them and you go, but really, you know, what if? And, uh, <laughs> you know, it probably lasts about five or 10 seconds where, uh, you think about it and then, uh, you know, you move on to the next thing. So, uh, you know, I try and live in the present as much as possible and, uh, you know, it's not like I'm, I'm old enough yet to be, you know, looking back on the glory days. So, uh, you know, I still, I still think some of my best days are ahead of me. So, uh, I'm just kind of continuing in pursuit of that and, uh, try and keep my career going in the MLL. Well, talking about your career in the MLL and in the present, I think it's interesting getting a chance to cover that league, how, you know, guys have different time restraints, different full-time jobs. You know, you're one of the fortunate ones along with guys like Paul, you know, that you are basically a full-time lacrosse player. But I'm still curious what it's like to be self-motivated where you're not even around your teammates for, you know, like in college, quote-unquote fall ball, you always had this voluntary stuff. But you also had, you know, the Cornell clock or, you know, all schools have that. I'm sure when you were a freshman and you you felt like, you know what, I don't want to go to the weight room today. You knew Max or, uh, you know, I'm going to draw Johnny Glenn was going to find out and you were going to go to the weight room or, you know, Coach Tambroni was going to find out. So as self-motivated as you were in college, there also was that teammate right down the road or right in the dorm to motivate you as well. Uh, Here you are in New York City basically all by yourself. Your teammates are all spread out. What's it like to stay motivated you know, in the fall when you don't have anyone checking in at, with you at the gym to make sure you're hitting the weights or you're running around town or you're working on your shot? Yeah, you know, I, th- I definitely think it takes a, a certain type of person. I think, uh, you know, that's what the MLL is made up of, you know, considering that the landscape of the league and the type of guys that are in it. You know, most guys have full-time jobs, and, you know, there are other guys that do it full-time, that, you know, fortunate enough to do it full-time. But, uh, you know, there's a reason that we do it full-time, and, you know, it's because – We've committed to it, and, and part of that commitment is us 
uh, you know, you know, kind of making that commitment to ourselves that we're going to do whatever we can to, to play at the highest level possible. And uh, in order for, you know, for me or for Paul or Max or Kyle to keep doing this full time, uh, you know, you have to, you know, remain, you know, re- relevant and you got to remain, you know, at the top of your game. Otherwise, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be finding yourself sitting uh, in an office, you know, soon enough. So um, I, I think, it, it, you know, we're all – in this position for a reason and everyone playing in the MLL, which, uh, you know, is extremely difficult is there for a reason because they have that self-drive, self-motivation and, um, you know, from guys that are, you know, on Wall Street and then going to the gym or, you know, I'm with guys and, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning that are getting up early before work to go work out right. um, and, and getting it in uh, because they know that they, the season's here and, and they, you know, are coming and they love like sport of lacrosse and I think that's really what separates the MLL from any other league is that, uh, you know, we're doing it because, you know, we love the game and we love uh, playing and being in that locker room setting and being around the guys, and, uh, and it's really a great thing. Uh, this is going to be a very broad question, but I think you're a great guy to ask because you played in the Final Four in three football stadiums. You play in the MLL, so you have an idea how they market that league and their stars. And you also, as we've discussed, you deal with young players all across the country. You know, you go from New York City to Minnesota to Texas. You know, I'm sure you got your summer itinerary all planned out. How would you yep. describe sort of the state of the, the game, this, just the sport, and how close it is to getting to that next level as, as far as popularity um, and breaking through so that, you know, a Cornell-Syracuse game, the highlights are on SportsCenter, or a Lizards-Cannons playoff game that has a remarkable ending at the buzzer is on SportsCenter. How close do you think the, the sport is to taking off to that next level? Uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's close, uh, you know, in, in the terms of, uh, you know, lacrosse, but I, I think in, you know, in getting to where other sports are at, I, I still think maybe, you know, 10 years, you right. know, away. Um, you know, I think it's definitely going to take time. I think the growth is there and it's been sustainable. Um, you know, I think it's grown at around 3.5% the last few years. Um, and, and that's good. You know, it's not like it's going down, uh, you know, tremendously because, you know, the numbers are higher. There's, there's over 750,000 probably at this point, you know, over a million people playing the game, which is, um, which is amazing. So, um, I think it's just a matter of time. I think there's certain areas of the, of the country which, uh, would help. I think if you can start to get some maybe colleges out on the West Coast, mm-hmm. um, you, know, you know, you have Denver, but you, you know, I think California, um, you know, you look at like a Stanford or USC and, you know, obviously understand the whole dilemma with that. But um, I think that's important for just kind of the growth out there and to raise awareness there. And then you look at Texas and the Midwest and, and even Florida, um, that's got some schools, but when they're just a little bit of bigger schools, these bigger conferences, I think, I think that'll come a long way. Um, I think the pro leagues come a long way. I think you're starting to, with the growth of the game, you're starting to see people follow certain players and follow, uh, you know, teams and the players into the professional league and, and stay tuned into that as well. Um, so I think that, you know, they both help one another in that sense. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to be a part of it and, and do anything that I can. And, you know, everywhere you go, everyone's excited about right. it. Everyone loves it. Everyone can't wait to watch. You know, I mean, the atmosphere for the championship came down in Atlanta was probably one of the best games, one of the atmosphere, best atmospheres of any game I've played in, uh, not just because of the championship, but it was, it was a packed stadium of, you know, 10,000 people. And, uh, you know, it, it was just great. So, uh, you know, it, it's exciting. And, uh, but, you know, I'm not going to jump the gun and say we're, we're two years away. You know, it's, uh, I think it's certainly going to just take some time here. 
Gotcha. I'm looking forward to getting down there for the ACC tournament and seeing uh, what kind of atmosphere they get for those uh, three days. Uh, Hopefully, I'll be there as well, but I don't know. Well, I mean, they're going to be there no matter what. It's just a question if you're watching them, uh, you know, tr- tr- track down Larkin, Kemp, and Brown, or if they're playing for uh, automatic bids. So it should be. It's an amazing what year have, in the ACC. What do they have? What, I don't, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. All right. Here we go. One last question, and you've already talked about the two-point shot, and you've already taken a shot at early recruiting. But since every coach goes early recruiting, I'm taking this off the table for you. I want a player's point of view you are the czar of college lacrosse uh you make one move and it's unblockable the ncaa can't get in the way the coaches the ad's you rob pinnell says this is the way it's going to be and it's gospel you can push the season back you can move the championship off of memorial day weekend you can put in a shot clock a two-point shot um you know the whole nine yards you're the czar what's your first unblockable move wow oh man (laughs) Um, I think, honestly, I think it would have to, I think it would, um, I'm allowed to go with the recruiting one or no? Uh, I took that off your table. I want a player's point of view. Took it off the table. Okay. All right. You know, that's my, that's my thing. Okay. I'd yeah. probably say, I would probably push the season back. Yeah. I, 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 I love the shot clock. Um, I, I don't think the two point is necessary. I love the shot clock, but I think looking at the weather, I, you know, I was watching zone over Denver for a second the other day and. You know, it was snowing then in you know, right. April. You know, I think baseball does it right and going into June. And kids have to stay on campus for, you know, a few, a few weeks further. You know, I, I think that's it. Or, you know, every team plays two games a week, whatever it may be. But I think, uh, I think there's a couple of things that come into play and, and not only the growth of the game and viewership and, and people attending games and the atmosphere for the, for the guys playing, but I also think injuries and, and colder weather and, um, you know, it, it's, you know, I've played up in Essex my whole life, and, uh, and it takes its toll on your body. So I, <laughs> the warmer the weather, the better as far as I'm concerned. And I think, uh, you know, pushing the season back would certainly be a good thing, maybe get it to go hand-in-hand hand with the MLL season and, uh, you know, have a little college NFL football type of deal where it's, you know, Saturday, Sunday type of thing. So that's just my opinion. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, aside from all the great pictures from Ithaca, you guys practicing in the snow or playing Colgate in a blizzard, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I think if you push the season back three weeks, you'd get more coverage, you'd get better games and uh, everything that you pointed out. And I, I think at this point we need to push the championship back from Memorial Day. It's not what it was when you were a kid going to that or when it's I was not, in college going to that. It's, it, it's not there anymore. Nope, I agree. Well, Rob Pinnell, thank you very much for your time. Looking forward to uh, covering and getting to see the Lizards in action once again. The season starts on the 23rd. Uh, Rob Pinnell, thanks a lot for stopping by the podcast. Thanks for having me, Amy. Well, that's all the time we have for now. Not only is it opening weekend of Major League Lacrosse, still a lot of good college lacrosse left to be played. And I just want to remind you, the number one seed in the ACC tournament is on the line when North Carolina hosts Notre Dame Saturday at noon on ESPNU. Thanks for listening, and until next week, remember, time, room, bullseye.